Thank you, Danielle. And for those of you that do have your Bibles, uh, please be sure to open them up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking again at that text this morning. Um, and by the way, if you, for whatever reason, you don't have a Bible, we can provide one for you. Um, we have some Bibles that we can give away, and in, in quite a bit of them, actually. So do hope you have a Bible. Open up to, to Luke five seventeen, And as we uh, get started um, this morning, I first want to say uh, it's glad to see Brother Dave Mays back. Uh, we haven't seen, seen he's, I know you've been feeling a little bit under the weather, but it's great to see you back as we've been in prayer for you as well. And I saw, uh, is, there's Jake slipping back in. I didn't see Luke Hudson. Oh, that's Ty, not Jake. There's Jake. <laughs> I didn't see, their cousins, they look a little bit like. I didn't see uh, a Luke Hudson slip in this morning. And I tell you, if he's not the, uh, if he's not the best hay farmer in Preble County, um, he's going to be a country singer someday, just with a name like that. So you can just send him to Nashville now. We start. <laughs> Luke Hudson, get the new Luke Hudson. If you get the new Luke Hudson Sorrel album, that's what everybody's going to be saying. Well, today I'm coming up here uh, and really preaching, preaching the same message uh, uh, again that I've been preaching the last few weeks. New text, same message, the same kind of thing that we see happen when people come in contact with Jesus. Um, and so hey, since I'm doing the same thing kind of over and over again, I, I wanted to look for like a joke for that. But you know what that's called, kind of doing the same thing over and over again um, and expecting different results. What's that called? No. Close. This might be relevant when you find out what that answer is. You know what this is, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? What, what is it? Insanity. A recent study shows that insanity is hereditary. You get it from your kids. A doctor asked me if any members of your family suffered from insanity. I said, no, they all seem to enjoy it. I like this. Well, I'll just say that one for last Insanity does not run in my family. It strolls through, taking its time, getting to know everyone personally. But here's the best one. Insanity defined, the definition of insanity is when you're cheating at solitaire and a fight breaks out. So hopefully you haven't had an experience quite like that. But I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to get into uh, the word this morning, and we need to hear uh, from the Lord more than we need to hear from man. So will you join me as we begin uh, with a word of prayer. Well, Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you that we can open up and hear from the living God today. We don't just need another sermon. We don't just need another song. We need hearts that are open and attentive and ready to hear from you. Is the song that we opened with this morning, I believe that is the message. It's the message that I hear loud and clear. You're drawing us to you, Lord. You're longing for a deeper relationship with us. Today, as we recognize again another man that had an encounter with you in Scripture, we must find ourselves in this story. And allow us to not just look at our watches and go through the motions, but to be fully present at the feet of the word of God 
and find ourselves in the middle of this story. Lord, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been on the series called The Road to Revival. And I, I want to, this, this last message will give me a, a pretty good uh, opportunity to explain to you really what this coming weekend is all about. Um, I hope that, you know, we, sometimes when we hear the word uh, revival, if you've, if you've come from different circles, you, you think of this as an event maybe that you want to invite other people to. This is an event that you want to invite other people to to get saved. And sure, that is fine, but we haven't as much, I haven't as much been making, it, the, making that the point of emphasis. Because what I recognize that I hope you can recognize here in this moment is that your spiritual health, your talking about look at the person next to you and say he's talking to you real quick come on your spiritual health is the most effective evangelism tool that you will ever have if you are turned on if you are drawing near to the living God others will see and know and want to be a part of what you are doing if you are a Sunday Christian, if you are religious, if it is really just a show, if it is really just something that you do, then I think people in this world have better things to do on Sunday morning. You might want to agree and say amen with that because it's true. But if you are turned on and if you are willing to take a step forward to the living God and allow him to do, dare I say, a new work in your life, others will see and know, and your own life will be the most effective evangelism tool because you won't be able to help but share what the Lord is doing in your life, what he's doing in your, your friend's life, what he's doing in your family's life, what, how God is intervening in the midst of your world. So your spiritual health is the greatest evangelism tool that you can have And so what I have been wanting is we've been preparing for this upcoming weekend as we've called this series, The Road to Revival. The goal is simply that you come seeking. We hit on something really quick that is actually um, the foundation for everything we've been talking. We hit on this really quick Wednesday night uh, in our little five-minute message in the community meal. I told a little goofy story about uh, a, a, a stupid reality show about a guy had a moment where everybody in the room knew that he did not have something that he was supposed to have. Okay? They set him up. They, they, they did a setup. He was supposed to have these earrings, okay, that he was supposed to have. Long story. I'm not going to explain the story. It's not that interesting anyway. But he was supposed to have these earrings that he was supposed to keep for his wife. He was so mad at her because she'd been losing all the earrings, so, so he had this checkout plan. But he was supposed to have these earrings, and he didn't have them. And everybody else in the room knew it, and they asked him where they were, and he opens up the box where they're supposed to be, and they're not there. And so what does he do in that moment when he knows he does not have something that he is supposed to have? Now, that is a big question that I hope that you consider when it comes to your spiritual life. Because it is the, the, the mystery that is the reality for all of us. 
There is always something in our walk with the Lord that we still, it's not that we don't have, it's that we haven't received yet. We haven't let the Lord do a work in our lives yet. And if we continue to have the attitude that, sure, we're we're created to be content, we're created to be joyful, but if our attitude is that actually I'm good, you know, I'm kind of cool to just sit comfortably where I'm at and just have this minimal experience, then we will never experience revival. But if we all recognize that we don't, that there's something from the Lord that we need, that we have yet to receive more joy, forgiveness, more empowerment, a greater hunger and a call to ministry, greater uh, burden to evangelize, uh, more passion. There's always room for growth, but if we're constantly comfortable, we will never experience revival. So this is a moment where even just as a month ago, we were in a season of prayer and fasting, and I got to tell you, that was personally really refreshing for me to push some things away and to draw near to the living God and experience others that were coming um, to the prayer meetings as well and having the same kind of testimonies, just being just really just blown away at what happens when we push other things away and draw near to God. It was a really great time. And then uh, to be honest with you, even myself, just a few weeks later, everything's back to normal. My schedule starts to get busy again. I start finding smaller pockets of time in my day to devote to the Lord and here, I, 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 I noticed this as I was preparing even this message, how quickly distracted and consumed by everything else. You get sick, you don't feel good, and some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is just negative and nasty and does absolutely nobody any good. And I realize that I've come to a point where I need to draw near again. Now, I got to believe that there are some of you here that have those same kind of experiences. And that is what this time and this cold of winter as we're, as we're hopefully finishing up the winter season for another month or so, we are, we are drawing near to God and recognizing that we, we need something that we don't have. And that if we are turned on, others will see and know and want to be a part about what the Lord is doing in our midst. And so this story in, in Luke chapter 5 is a really good example of this. And, and Daniel, I didn't have Daniel read the first part just because it was a long text. So I want to read this piece to you. I call this, Get Him to the Man, in Luke five seventeen through 26. I use that word man because Jesus says this of himself. This is the, I believe this is the first mention in the book of Luke where he uses the term son of man. When you see the word son of man in Scripture, it refers to Jesus' humanity. His, the fact that he came to, to serve, not to be served. The fact that he was in the flesh. Uh, the fact that he was someone that we could relate to, that he took upon our infirmities, he took upon our weaknesses, the idea of the humanity rather than the Son of God, the divinity. So here we experience the humanity of the living God. And so these people understand in this story that they need to get their friend to the man. So I want to read this text to you in verse 17. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law we're sitting there. Again, just like the story last time, there was a lot of religious people in the way. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, 
they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the ground right in front of Jesus. Sometimes we all just need a few crazy friends, don't we? And that's what we see that takes place in this text. In verse 20, then, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The first thing I want us to recognize that took place in this text is this idea of friendship. Friendship. You see men in this text that do something for someone that they could not do for themselves. They did something for someone that they could not do for themselves. This man was not going, he was paralyzed. He was not going to be able to get to Jesus in this room. Things were full and these guys realized that some, what, we don't get to see the backstory, but these men realized that this man wanted to get to Jesus, but he couldn't. They did something for someone that they could not do for themselves. You know, with what's going on, with what's coming up this next weekend, again, I, I can encourage you to invite someone um, that, that, that would probably never come to church unless you take a step out and invite them. But again, as I've been saying, really what we're doing this weekend has a lot to do with you, has a lot to do with those in this room, and has a lot to do with those that are a part of our congregation that are not here this Sunday. Deacons, you know there's some people here that you can call, that you can remind and say, hey, we'd love for you to be here this, week, this weekend. This is going to be a weekend where we're all just going to draw near to the Lord together and be refreshed, renewed, and empowered for 2020, for this next season of ministry that the Lord has for us, because we believe that he is going to do something new this year. Um, this is that moment where maybe, maybe they just need someone to help them, someone to help them get them to a place that they would not choose to go themselves. And here's what's interesting. In this story of friendship, what is it that Jesus says to, the first thing that he says to this man as he comes to the bottom, as he comes into the roof, what's the first thing that he says to this? Somebody find that in the text and read that to me. It's right there in verse 20. What does Jesus say to him? Friend, your sins are forgiven. Joe sung that song this morning. As it says, draw me close to you. Nothing else could just to hear you say that I'm your friend. See, this is such a bold statement in Scripture. If you just gloss over it, you can miss it. See, throughout the Old Testament is really this story of tension, or some would even go so far to use the word hostility between man and God because there was a separation that took place. And so the whole story of the Old Testament up until this point is how can God get back in the earth and be reunited with all of creation? And so to, to hear the living God say to another man, friend, your sins are forgiven, was an explosive, powerful statement that there is now being peace made between, between the creator of the universe and sinful mankind. This begins as a story of friendship, but the next thing that, takes, that we can see in this text in verse 20 is faith. Here's what it says to him. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, whose faith did he see? What? Yes, he sees the faith of the friends that, that bring this man down into the hill because it says there, the text says T-H-E-I-R, their faith. 
Let's catch this here for a second. Faith is active. Faith in this text does something. Faith is, hear hear this, if you hear nothing else today, faith is forward movement. Faith is active. Faith does something with what we have been taught, with what we know. Well, wait, Pastor Brody, I thought I've heard you talk about uh, and, and give sermons before, and sometimes we have to wait, and sometimes there's a season of waiting. That's because our, the first thing in our mind when we talk about forward action, we often think of our own, our own financial prosperity. We think of our own health, what happens when we're, not, when we're not healthy again, when we're not healed. We think of our own security. We think of our own resolve when things that need to be figured out, and we don't have them figured out yet. These are the things that we're often so consumed with But those are the opportunities for faith to move forward. See, in faith, God is in the business of what you're doing with your peace in these moments, what you're doing with your passion in these moments, what you're doing with love. How can love take a forward motion, move forward in the midst of your waiting, and how can you have joy in the midst of all of your experiences? Faith is also in this text. It's one more thing if we take a look in verse 24. Verse 24, take a look at what happens. He says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive forgive sins. And so he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you. See, now Jesus first praised the faith of the men that brought him down the hole. And now we've come to a point where now he's, he's speaking to the paralyzed man in that moment. There's controversy. I'm going to get to that in just a second about what Jesus is saying. But he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And what does the man do in verse 25? He says, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. See, his first act of obedience there's your next faith is obedience his first act of obedience in response to the living God in response to the Messiah was to do something that he had formerly never that he had not been able to do to do something that he never thought that he can do to do something that now that he would be able to do this you better believe he would be doing it the rest of his life I believe that there's somebody in this room that needs to hear that loud and clear. That I believe the Lord is speaking to you in such a way that your first act of obedience, the thing that he is calling you to right at this moment, is something that you never thought that you can do, but you know he is calling you to. You've got to take just a moment and step back and say, he might be talking to me. The Lord may be speaking to me. The one thing that you know the Lord is calling you to that you thought you never could do. See, this is a beautiful story because we always have this. Uh, we always have this imbalance of when we, when we want to help people. We're called we're here and, and created to serve. And there is this this balance, this tension between, well, how much can we help them before we're really just enabling them? And I can't tell you that this scripture story solves all those questions and answers all them. But you see both things happen in this story. You see what, what takes place before the friends help this person do that which he could not do on his own. 
You have some friends, we have some people in our church that are going through some stuff right now that they're not going to be able to do everything on their own. They're going to need some crazy friends to help walk them through some of the tough times. That's a reality of life, and that's what we see uh, take place in this text. But then there also came a point where Jesus had to call this man to do something for himself. Your friends got you this far. I, I've just healed you, but now it's your, tr- now it's your turn to, to see whether or not you believe it. Get up your mat, take up your mat, and walk. And now it was this, this man's turn to do something for himself, something that he would begin to be able to take his steps forward. And see, guys, this is really what we are in the business of doing as a church. And it's part of what we do for people that are lost, but it's also part of what we do for our other brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to draw people to the living God and allow him to do a work in their life so that they can begin to take steps as Christ followers on their own. Right here, all loaded right here in this text. Now, finally, read the rest of this passage, the whole passage. Verse 21, it says, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And here's what it says in verse 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Another word that I believe some of you here need to receive is in verse 23. Excuse me, it's actually in verse 24. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. For anyone here that's feeling as if you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how I, how I think. You don't understand the way that I am. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In this moment, in your forward, in your, in your, in your step forward to the living God in repentance, yes, your sins are forgiven. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And this scene, what took place in this text, it caused conflict for the religious people. But then what what takes place next is that everyone gives praise to God. Now, this, this was an interesting word to me, so I had to look this up in the Greek in verse 26 because it says the religious, it, it talked about there was religious people there. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law. And then verse 26, it says that everyone gave praise to God. So does that mean all the religious people did as well? I looked it up in the Greek. It basically says all who were there gave praise to God. So revival happens in that moment. People become all because of a few crazy friends that want to help get someone else to Jesus because of their friendship. Uh, Revival happens because of their faith. Revival happens because of the friend's faith, because of the faith 
and, and the man, when he steps up and walks, and then because forgiveness happens right in front of their face, and how could this man forgive and bring about change and bring about healing in just a moment? But when they see this man walk out, they affirm that what, what Christ is saying is true. And imagine the power that just, if you find yourself in this story, the power that you have, if you say yes to the living God, if you respond to the living God and allow him to do a new work in your life. Church, I don't know how else to to say this. I think probably what I said at the beginning of this message is even more vital than what I've said at the end. That revival will happen, it can happen in our church if we come seeking. If we come admitting that we don't have it all together. That there's something that we need and we're willing to help each other along in that process. And that's what next weekend is really just designed for. It's designed for a time for us all just to exhale and come together as the church and say, we need God. We need something more than what we've had. That's why we're going to do a little extra service. That's why we're going to do a little extra thing on Sunday. We won't do this all the time, but for a moment, we're going to push some other things away, and we're going to make this a priority because if we are, are, are turned on, if we are on fire, then others will see and know that God is moving in our midst. And so it begins with that simple call that we all need to get to the man. We all need to have faith in a forward motion. We all need to take a step forward out of our comfort zone. I've been saying that week after week and draw near to the Lord. So you, as we conclude, will you, will you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a few moments? One of the things that we've been speaking about and that has been concluded is that, yes, we do want as a congregation to become more responsive. Because this story right here in Scripture is an example of what happens when people respond in somewhat of a radical or tangible, visible way. When people respond to Christ in front of others, it's contagious. And God moves and he can perform miracles and it becomes contagious for everybody else that is around them. But something else begins to happen when we all choose to respond. So today I'm Still going to make it easy for you, and I can't promise you it's going to be easy this coming weekend, but you've heard the, the word, the challenge of our faith needing to move forward, of knowing what the Lord is calling you to do in an act of obedience, just in a simple way of responding to the Lord. I'm the only one looking right now. Just a simple way of responding to the Lord. If you know the Lord is calling you out of your comfort zone to take a step forward. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Just to acknowledge, yes, I hear you. Thank you. There's one, there's two, there's three, four of your brothers and sisters here. Five, six, seven, eight here in this church. They're just saying, yes, Lord, I hear you. Nine, and it's time I respond. And secondly, as we've heard, given a message of forgiveness today, those words are in Scripture, but I believe that's for somebody where Jesus simply says, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So I'm going to say that again, you, and I want you to pray for that person next to you. Because it may be them. I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Today, in this moment, you can be forgiven. And I mean this, no heads, no eyes looking around. If that's you, if you are asking for forgiveness for something specific, nobody's going to ask you to share it. But right now, in this moment, you're going to have a moment with the Lord. Would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I ask for forgiveness. Yes, 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 yes. There's eight, nine hands across our church this morning. Now, Lord, I pray for each and every hand that has just come up. That they would sense your blood cleansing them. Reminding them that they are yours. They have been bought at a price and your blood is covered over every dark area of their life. There is nothing they could ever do that would make you love them less. You are a loving, giving, graceful, sovereign God that is now in these moments ready to empower them with new life. What a beautiful mystery that we practice in the Christian faith that with death, with confession, with repentance comes new life. And for every hand that was raised, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would empower them, Lord, to new life, new anointing to do as you have called and created them to do for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you that your people here in this congregation are responding to you. It's time we begin to say yes to you. We become tangible. We become visible that we are the people of God that are moving forward in our faith, drawing near to the living God, even when, even when we don't feel good, even when our finances don't change, even when we still have things in our life that are not worked out. We're going to draw near to the living God and be empowered with joy, peace, passion, healing, comfort, The living God is near. Thank you, Lord, for being a God that is present with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our offertory thought comes from Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body we prepared for me. With burnt offering and sin offerings, you were not pleasured. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Will ushers come forward?
Father, as we have given, as you have blessed us, as you have given, Lord, let us remain in our faith and sing your praises with the blessings you have bestowed upon us. Allow these blessings that we have been given to receive back to the church to be used as you will be done. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, a lot of announcements, a lot of announcements this morning. Oh, by the way, you guys think that's a song. Nick's actually singing that back there as you guys are all walking forward. He does a great job with that song. Um, uh, quick ministerial meeting following uh, service today. Next, this Saturday, tonight's the hymn sing. Next Saturday night, we're at Community Christian for um, the first night of our revival weekend. So a lot coming up. Please check your bulletins. For your benediction, may you take a step forward in your faith. May you receive forgiveness. And may you get others to the man, the son of man, as you draw near to the son of man yourself. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.